0: Greetings, I am Jim, and I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our
1: discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 1, Episode 5. All of Sean and Jim's favorite D&D items, and we build a character too. Pull up a chair and listen to us talk about our fave D&D items from addition to monster to weapon and everything in between. We also build a character right before your very eyes. Uh, maybe ears? And see if you can catch our bad maths. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to 13 Sided Die. Episode What Number, Jim? Woo! Four. Five. <laughs> Six. <laughs> Six. you guys pick it can be whatever number you want <laughs> that was fun i like putting you on the spot um this is a fun topic uh jim had suggested this one and it's a d and d favorites and uh jim do you want to talk a little bit about uh how you came up with the idea and kind of what it's about uh yeah we just had a lot of people asking us
0: what our favorites in d d were so i thought it'd be fun to just pick some things and it can be from any edition and just uh what people or what we think is our favorites so
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And Jim, Mr. List uh, is great. He sent me over a bunch of things that we can talk about. And I think that's fantastic. Um, And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do for the next little bit. Just talk about some of our favorite D&D stuff. So uh, kick it off, Jim. What's our first thing we're going to chat about?
0: Uh, Your favorite edition.
1: Ooh. Well, I do have a really, really uh, warm spot in my heart for uh, AD&D. That's obviously where I started with the game. Classic classic game um it is a really good version and uh it's got a lot of neat stuff to it um i think my favorite to to speak like really my favorite edition to play would probably be where we are at 5e i, I think they've really blended everything together in such a great way i'm excited to see what, what one D D will do because it's again like we talked in another podcast how it's taking all the good elements of 5e and making them better and working with us as players uh, to figure that all out. But I think it's really in a good place right now, and it's very, very playable. So how about you, Jim? Awesome. Yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah, the classics are always good,
0: but 5th edition, it's really easy to teach people and dm for. I love the advantage and disadvantage system. That's really easy. And uh, I like how it puts storytelling above number
1: crunching. Oh, exactly, right? Yeah, I I think so. And, uh, you know, I've always said before that the biggest thing for me was... When they um, they brought in the advantage and disadvantage, as a DM trying to tell everybody, oh, you're at a neg two for that role, and you're at a minus, you're at a plus one, and and, and keeping track, just saying like you're at advantage or disadvantage, just simplified the game so much. And for me, if nothing else, that's why I actually like Five E, just based around that. I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Next on your list, I see is something I added, and I don't know if you saw that either or not, but it's uh, favorite manual cover so whatever uh book D book your favorite cover uh do you want to go first sure uh i
0: have to go with the D player's handbook with the moloch statue with the thieves stealing the gem eyes really that's the one you picked yeah i love that one i got two uh, minis of that statue it's like i got one that's sitting like the cover and then i got one that's like standing like after they steal the eyes
1: that that that's that, i you know I have to disagree because my favorite cover is the original AD&D Player's Handbook, 1978, David Trampier, Thief Stealing Gems from Demon Moloch Statue. That's what I have written down.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that that one's weird. I don't know why you'd pick that. There's so much good art
1: out there, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. And, you know, um, and and the artist, David Trampier is a great D&D artist. Um, You know, the original uh, DM's guide is his with the kind of the, the devil on the front. Um, He's so good, but that cover, I don't know, it isn't even the best artwork. Like there's way better artwork out there and I don't mean to tramp on Mr. Trampier, uh, but it is just so quintessential D&D. It's so iconic to me. The thieves, like I said, bending over, prying that eye out is so cool. Um, And so for, uh, I was so happy what uh, I got to actually use that in a game. I made a little uh, statue of Moloch out of clay, put little gems in his eyes I had a little brazier lit up with a little LED light and I had the players go into there and in the background behind it, I had the player's handbook so they could see that that's where it came from. And one of the NPCs was actually climbed up and pried out one of the gems. And so for me, it was this beautiful moment to bring it all to that book. So I think it's funny we both picked that one.
0: Yeah, Ah, good taste. Good taste.
1: Uh, Uh, Next one.
0: Campaign setting, your favorite
1: okay uh, I'm gonna be really uh, really lame and I'm gonna pick my own homebrew world of Ardnor. Um, I sorry, I know that's kind of a, a rude thing to do, but I over the last five or six, seven years now have just built and built and built in that world and we've played in different time um, segments in the world and everything so I I just I know so much about it. I love the world that I created and it has become my favorite campaign setting and uh, yeah. I know there's so many great things out there, so many amazing things, but that would probably be my favorite. Second to that, I'd probably then pick uh, the lands of Greyhawk. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah.
0: That's not rude at all because it's made for your you and your players and how you guys like to play, right? So Yeah,
1: I, I hope that comes across. I didn't want it to be like big headed, like, oh, look what I did. But it's, no, it's just, we played there for so long and we've made so much, there's so much history to it of our history. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. How about you? Cool. Favorite campaign? Setting. yeah
0: and we'll talk about that later but um in another episode but homebrewing yeah. i mean when you homebrew stuff you just cherry pick the best of all everything <laughs> that you like right so like of course it's the best <laughs> that's awesome um campaign saying so for mine uh dragon lance for the course. lore of course but actually to play in, i have to go with eberron mm. uh i'm obsessed with high fantasy and like the more the better. Like Ebron has it all. It's like steampunk and totally. Just got all in guns and all that fun stuff. And I've been playing an Ebron campaign for a few years now. And I just love it. I'm a gnome artificer that drives like a giant Iron Man mech suit and it can like hide in a pokeball around my neck. Oh, that's cool. It's
1: just yeah, it's wild. Well, was so neat about that too, and you you probably have a better understanding than I do. I mean, that came from a player fans own homebrew world if i remember correctly was it not they had like a a contest or something and you submit your worlds and that was chosen and it's now just like played by so many people but it came from a homebrew world yeah uh keith baker yeah yeah, yeah. just phenomenal it is a lot of fun i think it's just a really neat take on it's kind of like a normal D fantasy world but like kind of just on a tangent a bit and like i said bringing in kind of the mechanics steampunk that kind of world It's it's really fun i like it a lot yeah, and like in Ebron, there's lots of towns where there's like goblins
0: and orcs walking around, and yeah, other races are all just mixed together. it's
1: It's just awesome, so then players can be whatever, right. And it's not weird. Totally. No, totally. Something, and again, what we've done, and it was in this campaign that kind of blew my players' minds, is Ardnor is a continent on a greater world, and they only really know their continent but they have met some people that are from other continents. So from the continent of Greyhawk. And right now the airship they have has, has came from um, Eberron. So there's all these kind of neat, They've and I think that to me is a fun way of playing D&D is to if you have your own homebrew, but don't close the doors, I've got all the other worlds that I can pull in or send them to if I want to. And uh, it's kind of cool to do that. So it kind of blew their minds when that happened because they thought they were just <laughs> in their own little world and there was more out there, which is kind of fun. So Yeah, Oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. Um, class, what is your favorite class to play, Jim? Druid. (laughs) We're we're laughing because you'll see why later.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah. If you go circle the moon, it lets you wild shape into like a wolf or bear at second level and makes you like such a heavy hitter. So it gives you like a ton of HP as well as like, uh so you get the animals full HP and then when it goes to zero, you go back to your HP pool and you can do that twice a
1: short rest. Jim, can you shape shift into an owl bear? Uh sure you could in the movies, <laughs> yeah. And in a homebrew world.
0: I'm sure there's a lot of DMs that will not let you shape shift into an owl bear. That's cool. And then uh yeah, my like uh my favorite part of Wild Shapes is just like turning into like outrageous animals and silly situations that's always fun uh turning into like a pig in a market and just running around you looking for scraps or whatever that's fun and uh yeah and also you can burn a spell slot while you're in wild shape to cast cure wounds on yourself and on top of that you can like keep concentration too so it's like pretty op
1: yeah Yeah, I I get that. And I've seen some of my players uh, play Druids and just like grow with ridiculous power. Like it's unbelievable. So I get that. Uh, Myself, uh, favorite, all-time favorite class would be Ranger. Um, Huge Strider fan. Aragorn is the best. And so I played lots of Rangers. Um, Used to play a lot of thieves or rogues as well are fun. But I would say... Something that's really appealed to me in the last few years, and I've played a couple, and uh, I like using as NPCs is a fighter. And when I was younger, I never played a fighter in D anD. d Like, why? It seemed just to be the the baseline, boring um, class. But they have really beefed that up. It's it's amazing to now like obviously with Second Wind, Action Surge. But for me, when you bring in the combat maneuvers. And you can start doing really cool little things in your, you know, and if you tie that into an action surge and it's amazing, they can be so complex. Uh, And I thought that was really cool. I think they've really done an amazing job with the fighter class from what it was traditionally. And uh, it's, it's not a very baseline boring thing. You can do so many cool things with it. So yeah, that's kind of the one on my higher list these days is probably a fighter.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, Uh, I always found rangers were pretty underpowered in 5e. I I wish that they'd beef them up a little
1: bit. Yeah, you had to bring in the Unearthed Arcana supplement to make them a bit better. um, Because base out of the book, they're they're not very good. They're they're really not, but, you know. Um, And I think looking at the list, I skipped one, didn't I? Uh, Module, uh, favorite module was on your list. Yeah, Um,
0: my favorite module is White Plume Mountain.
1: I've not played that.
0: Uh, it's pretty awesome. I played this as a one shot on Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. It took us 15 hours, start to finish. Awesome. Uh, we had a supper break in the middle. Uh, it's set up almost like a carnival ride in some spots. You know, it's just uh, spoiler free. It's like just a good story hook to start it off. Amazing NPCs, magic weapons, traps, puzzles, you name it. Like it's got it all. Uh, it's originally an AD&D adventure that was published in uh, 1979. But so good, they re-released a few times, and it's cool. even in the Tales of the Young Portal five ebook. So, oh wow, dude,
1: that sounds amazing! I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. What about you? My favorite is a really great bad module, Uh in its AD and D Temple of Elemental Evil. Ooh, came out in nineteen eighty Uh five. It is ridiculous. Like I remember, we played this back in the day. It, I think, it's from. It's the idea is you start at level one and you by the time you're finished you're level seven like that's how big the stupid module is. There's like layers and layers of all these different levels of the the actual temple, and the maps form are ridiculous. Like literally like seventy different rooms on a le- on one level that you have to go and connect wow. through. And it's, it's 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 so much. What's we wound up getting a, a renting like a little house nearby. For our players, and then every day they'd get up and they'd walk to the thing and go down. It felt like you had a, you know, like a time card. Ching ching, punch in, <laughs> go down to the, go down to the, you know, down to the dungeon. Go check it out, do some more exploring, come back out. Ching ching, go back home.
0: Yeah, um,
1: it's it's really fun. It's really it, people complain that it is just really too much in a way, and um, yeah, it, it was fun. Uh, but the other one that I want to mention, uh, it's called the Secret of Spider Haunt and it came out for second edition. You can play any module. If you take an older module, you just have to do some conversion into your edition that you're in. So it might be a little bit of work, but all modules still, the stories are great. Uh, it's from 1995, second edition. And it's uh, it's the second part of a three-part uh, trilogy about a gentleman named Randall Morn. And uh, it's really, really cool. It has a really neat story. And in our previous campaign, um, in my homebrew world, I did work in a couple of modules into it. If I didn't really have time to flesh something out fully or I wanted to do something a little different, I'd play uh, a module and I worked this one into it. And the character, Randall Morn became a pretty prominent character after this in our storyline, which was kind of fun. So he appeared in a number of other places along it. So it was kind of fun to take somebody from a module and make him a fairly prominent person. So anyways, I'd recommend that one as well
0: cool uh that first one you're talking about the elemental evil that kind of sounds a bit like under mountain you ever play that one
1: no oh that one's supposed to be that's is like super mega dungeon right yeah this is totally just like a dungeon crawl to the nth degree it's 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 almost too much but yeah that's awesome yeah it gets kind of boring just keep going back and forth and like to go from (laughs) level one to level seven you're talking so many games in the same place uh, I think they thought it was really cool, but in some ways it does just be kind of come a bit boring doing, feeling like you're doing the same thing, at least in the same place over and over, but yeah.
0: But as a DM, you could spruce that up easy, right?
1: That's the thing. Yeah. It's all about how the DM does it. So
0: yeah. Put that magic wizard in there. That's on every floor that has his exactly. magic shop.
1: Exactly. You kind of unload your bags or the magic
0: camp that they can set up, you know? Yep. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh,
1: and... Favorite race. Okay. You you me to go? You to go. Ah, uh, you go. Okay, uh, was always elf. Elf was always my favorite race. I played elves so much, uh, and I'm finding now though I'm leaning more towards humans. I'm fi- which again is that baseline thing, but humans are actually quite amazing to work with. Uh, currently in the campaign that I'm playing, and I'm I'm a halfling, which is kind of fun. I haven't, oh, played awesome. a, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't played a halfling in a long time so it's kind of fun prior to that it was a warforged from the Erebor. and i oh boy i'd play a warforged again immediately they were they were awesome i really like that as a oh, race. yeah they're so much fun they don't have so to fun. eat or sleep or anything oh, so <laughs> no no it was really interesting character to play yeah what about you favorite race orc baby orc. <laughs> that's uh you, you gotta use the eberron
0: uh <laughs> books for that one. That's when they brought in the like official orc race. But I've always just been a huge fan of orcs. I love how they just look so badass. And they start off with plus two
1: strength and plus one con. So, you know, you're a monster to begin with. So that's cool. It's neat how it's changed so much where it went from being the villain to being can be a hero now, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I didn't care before. I just i just played orcs anyways every time i went to town i'd have to put up my hood and
1: hide my face that's fun that's fun and again like that creates a whole bunch of stuff to a story right and having to do neat stuff with the character yeah very cool uh monster is that the next one yeah all right you're up first favorite monster that's an easy one mimic
0: mimic it's just it's a dungeon master's best friend right like a yeah.
1: Just, I thought you were going to be Mimic or Beholder. I wasn't sure which one you were going to say. Yeah.
0: Beholder. I like Beholders. They look cool, but Mimics as a monster. I just, I love that they can literally be any mont or any item. Yeah. So any item in the game can be a monster. You can make them tiny or huge. It's such a great way to make a party of murder hobos turn into like a careful
1: paranoid party. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Love it. What about you? Uh, the boule or bullet, depending how you want to pronounce it, uh, super old. I mean, you can look in the player original player's handbook and there's a picture of them in the first couple of pages, trying to drag somebody out of a tree, yeah. um, referred to as the land shark. And that came from, uh, mm-hmm. early days of Saturday Night Live. And they used to have, when Jaws was popular in the seventies, they used to have a shark turn up a people's door. And say, oh, I'm a shark. And it'll be like, Candy Graham. And it was a very (laughs) silly sketch. And so they loved that. And they started calling these guys land sharks. And so the boulet digs underground, but it can move like a shark through dirt as a shark would through water. Crazy, a lot of teeth. Really neat. Um, I love the idea that they can very quickly retract into the ground and get away from everybody. And then all of a sudden you don't know where they are. And that whole thing of you don't know where they are is really cool because they're going to pop up and appear behind somebody and... Yeah, I've had a lot of fun playing with those uh, little creatures. They're kind of neat.
0: Yeah, they're always terrifying when you're low level party. Yeah, so
1: terrifying. Yep. <laughs> so terrifying. And, it, and some some of the players I'd have that they could maybe, if they have a high perception or something, they could maybe feel like the tremor of where it might be to try and track it. And one think would maybe have an idea of where it's going to pop up. And that's always fun to let the players, you know, work with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, kind of fun. But uh, no, those are kind of cool monsters. Yeah. And it's uh tremors, you know? It's, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. It's tremors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's our Kevin Bacon connection for today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite spell.
0: Mine is unseen servant. That's cool. This is, a, this is a tricky one for me. I was looking through the spells. I was like, oh, I don't, it's so hard to choose one, but I just love being that character. Cause if anyone that doesn't know unseen servant, it uh, creates a invisible mindless, shapeless medium force that performs simple tasks and you can just tell it to go cook or clean or open doors or whatever. Right. It's just, it's basically a ghost you can control for a little
1: while. It's just, I don't know. It's hilarious
0: for role-playing.
1: It's very true. And it's funny because we were kind of almost in the same wavelength. Mine is mage hand, (laughs) 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 Uh, which is crazy. We've got all these spells you can choose (laughs) from and, you know, like disintegrate. No, we choose mage hand and unseen servant. Um, but to me, Mage is just, it's a utility spell, man. You can do so many cool things. Just like the, the servant, you can do so many neat things with them. It gives you the ability to do something from a distance, which is what I always love. So, you know, literally so you can put the hand next to a door and when somebody comes through the door, it can tap them on the shoulder and freak somebody out coming through a door. You know, like there's so many cool things you can do with it. Um, again, from a distance, which is really neat. and. If it's something you're not sure about, send in the, you know, the mage hand. It can go and poke around and look at stuff and set off the the trap that's there or something. So, yeah, yeah. I've always thought those are kind of neat spells. Cool. Yeah, the trickster Rogue
0: can use that to, like, pick locks and stuff, too. So it's, oh, instead yeah. of losing your hand, yeah. it just yeah.
1: it's the ghost hand. <laughs> totally. It's so great. So, yeah, I think that's, an, you know, such a great spell to have. And, and a lot of times that can be a cantrip, right? So you've just got this uh, uh, total, of, it's almost like you have a third hand. It's yeah. just incredible. So yeah, I think that's really a good one.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, by a close second was Lord Sauce's favorite uh power yeah. word kill. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, "No, that's too OP. I I'm, I'm going to pick a fun one." <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Crazy. Uh, your favorite magic item in d d Oh,
1: okay. Well, let's uh talk about this and we we want to talk about uh um something common and something more rare, correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this is a homebrew item that uh, I will talk about. And it's something that I made up. It's called the the bag of everything you don't need twice a day. So twice a day, you can reach in and pull something out of it. And um, it was a really fun thing to give to people to let them just mess around with. And to kind of give you an idea on it, Jim, if you had the infamous bag of everything you don't need twice a day, You could say, and I had a, one of my my players got this and they just absolutely loved playing with this stupid thing. In the middle of a battle, they'd go, I'm going to reach into the bag and see what they could pull out to try and help them the bag. So in the middle of a fight, you reach in and you pull out a shovel. There you go. Or another time you pull out a button. And it's just like all these mundane, useless items. So I'd have this random generated list of these items that I could just click on and bring up quickly and pull out and... That was absolutely so much fun as a mundane, like as as a very low magic item. And it was so cool to see this player get, they just loved it. Anytime they're in any form of peril or anytime they're trying to solve something, I'm going to pull something out of the bag. (laughs) And all the players would laugh and it would pull something out. And I don't know how many times that stupid thing would wind up helping them. They they would come up with a whole narrative of how this button was going to save them. And it was like so fun to see. So that was neat to see the interaction and the players really getting carried away. So... I
0: live for those magic. I would give up a Vorpal sword for that magic item.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, what is your common magic item?
0: Well, I did the ear messaging. Little nod to critical roll there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they made Canon in the D and D books, but if we're going, if we can do homebrew items, my favorite one I've ever had was the sword of tavern finding. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, you say the magic word and the sword points to the nearest tavern. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, that is so cool. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I, I know. There's nothing cooler than that. I mean, we're an adventurer. Well,
1: well, we have one and it's in our campaign right now. And it's the magic sandwich. And I give a tip of the cap here to my uh, good buddy, John, who's a DM. And he introduced it to me. And it's you take out. It's, it's a basic sandwich. And every day you unwrap it from this like kind of, you know, um, waxy paper and it's a different sandwich every day. And that has been so much fun to play with that. And so I, again, I have stupid, uh, a player that has this and they absolutely love the sandwich. So they're like, okay. And then they're like, what's the sandwich today? So I had to find a sandwich I, roll chart. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I've got the stupid sandwich roll chart that I have to go and bring up. And, uh, I say, oh, so today is bratwurst and it's a spicy sausage uh with you know pickles and peppers and lots of mustard you know and it's always these silly yeah every time i have to come up with a different sandwich for them it's so much fun and they love it because they'll share it with people because you cut it and not only is it magical in the sense of a different sandwich it's endless so you can just keep cutting off pieces of the sandwich and giving it to people and it's just it's there so they mm-hmm. will have like feasts with people and again it's so great to give up something to players that will allow them to do stuff with it and create a whole narrative and their whole story. And I've had them have a party and feed everybody at the party because they have the magic sandwich and you know, it's kind of neat for them to take that and use it right. And do things. So
0: oh, definitely. That's- yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm in Sean's campaign and sandwiches are my favorite food on earth. And I'm always very intrigued by what the sandwich of the day is going to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's silly. Yeah. Okay, what is your um, kind of high-level rare magic item? Uh, I have
0: to go with the Instant Fortress. That's cool. That's a pretty badass one. So you just put a little one-inch metal cube on the ground, say the magic word, and then the fortress is a big square tower. Uh, Was it? It's like 20 feet by 30 feet high. There's arrow slits all around it. There's like ladders and trap doors and stuff, and uh, the door opens. The door opens only at your command. And like it's immune to the knock spell or any of that kind of stuff. So it's made of, uh, anemantium and it can't be knocked over.
1: Just all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, That's just re- cool.
0: really would make the players feel safe in there.
1: That is awesome. Yeah. Those kind of things are fantastic. I think, um, we, we have one in our game called The Tome of Home. And so it's a book that when the, uh, a spellcaster uses, I think the, waste one of their spell slots it turns into a building that they have constructed in their mind and they get to go into the building so it's kind of the same kind of idea not quite as fortified but th- those things are great to have to, i think for party members they're really cool oh, yeah especially for end game
0: when they can fly around and teleport and what it's like hey just give them a base that they can
1: smack up wherever <laughs> totally totally exactly yeah what about you Ah, uh, this one again is another homebrew. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm so bad. I went and picked all the homebrew <laughs> stuff. This item is called the Sands of Time, and it was used in our last campaign. It came very pivotal. It's uh, the item is actually a like a um, a sand uh, glass, like you know the hourglass type thing. It's magical, uh, very old uh, hourglass um, made from made from brass, containing sand from the Oaken, and the Oaken is the desert area of uh, Ardnor. Uh, When you press the button on the top of the sand glass, you have the ability for anyone to go back one round and to simultaneously give you a free action. So it allows you to jump back in time one round and to have a free action at that moment. Each time the button is pressed, you make a will save. If you fail, you age one die four years and are stunned one die four rounds. If you save, it's half of those effects so any no matter what happens if you press that button you're going to gain a year in age at a minimum um and if the sand glass and and the thing is that it's a cursed item basically and if you pick it up it's with you you cannot put it down you cannot give it to somebody else it is your item it has to be on your person and it's glass so it's delicate um and if it's broken in your possession you age immediately 10 years and uh, to be free of the sand glass, you will need to find the lost pyramid of Ammon, Nephthys and return it. And so that became a whole, our uh, our poor fallen cleric was the one who got this <laughs> thing. And they had to work with a party and find, uh, go to the Oaken, where they originally they were from, so it was kind of fun, and find this uh, lost pyramid, which was like a myth or a legend, and there was a whole story around that, and they had to return the hourglass to it. So.
0: But oh, they did that's use so it.
1: Cool. They did press the button a couple yeah. of times when something went really sour and a party member either had died or something horrible. They pressed it and went back to do something to alleviate that from happening. And that was such a cool thing to allow a player to do that, to be almost like pressing a reset button, you know. Um and it was kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, it was neat to see them use it. And that they aged. Like after, I think in the end, they might've aged something like, cause they used it a few times, something like 12 years or something and being human, that's a lot. So it was mm-hmm. cool. It was really cool.
0: Well, that's cool. You're a nice DM though, Sean, I would do a D10 every time they use it <laughs> and it would be a hundred years if you break it. So, I mean, if you're an elf,
1: uh, yeah,
0: I mean, you'll be okay, but that's yeah, a human, you want to be real careful using that thing. <laughs> that's hilarious.
1: Cool. Um, Why don't we take a little break there for a second, Jim? We'll come back and we'll go through the uh, rest of the items. Yeah, let's
0: talk about Druids again. Woo! Woo! Woo!
1: Fantasy Factoid! Hey guys, got a fun Fantasy Factoid for you today. In the early days of D&D, Gary Gygax, Dave Arnson, etc., polyhedral dice didn't exist, so a die 20 wasn't around, or at least they couldn't find any. So they did realize though that a, a roll, a random roll on something more than a six sided dice would be very beneficial. And they queued upon about a 20, a 20 point um, you know number system. So to do that, and I'm gonna give you a sample today, they took poker chips, numbered them one to 20, and put them into a coffee tin, shook it and pulled a number out. That was how they came up with a random roll of a 20. I sh- I haven't tried this yet, I put this together for Jim and I. I've got um, some kind of uh, faux poker chips in a metal coffee tin. I just think it'd be horrible being in a room with people shaking all these chips in a a metal coffee tin. It's going to be horrible. We've not tried it yet, so it's going to be fun. And we'll do a random roll. So are you ready, Jim? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. 19, baby. We rolled a 19. Damn, that's pretty good. (laughs) That is horrible sounding. Anyways, that is today's Fantasy Factoid. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, We are today talking about some of our favorite D&D elements, different parts of that whole world. And uh, we're going through a list that our good friend, Mr. Jim, made up for us. And uh, I think we just talked about magic items. And now we're going to talk about non-magic items, favorite non-magic items. Jim, you're up. And for Paul... Yeah, I mean, what can't you do with a 10-foot
0: pole? You can poke things, see if they're mimics. You can dry your wet clothes or cook with it over a fire. You can use it to pry a door shut. Use it to get over a gap. Possibilities are endless.
1: Yeah, and it was a standard feature in early D&D, like as you didn't adventure without a 10-foot pole. And it seems to have in some ways been a little forgotten now. Yeah.
0: No, that's my go-to. What about you? Uh,
1: Rope. <laughs> nice. Rope. I, I, I always have characters with rope uh, yeah again it's like a pole at the you know some rope and a pole and you're set for life yeah um, that's huge and the second one I put down and this is a kind of a secondary one that I love is a, a bag of ball bearings oh yeah totally so many things you can do with them drop it throw it over there to make a sound put a bunch on the floor watch somebody slip and fall drop them from a height like there's just so many things you can do with ball bearings which oh. is really cool so oh, cool. that would be my second choice uh, my
0: favorite thing I've seen players do with ball bearings is there was uh, arrow slits in the wall, and they filled up the arrow slits with ball bearings, like plugged them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome. It's like, yeah, I guess that works. <laughs> that's cool. That's fun. A little evil. I
0: like it. Yeah. So that's a challenge to any of you uh, dungeon owners out there that me and Sean, with some rope and a ten foot pole, we can make it through your dungeon.
1: Yes. But nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, okay. Uh, weapon favorite weapon, Jim. I gotta go with flail. I just, mm. I love how
0: they look. It reminds me of paladins and clerics, which to me are like the ultimate heroes in fantasy. Yep. I just, I love it. They're, it's like nunchucks almost, but more medieval.
1: That's cool. I get that. Yeah. What about you? Pole arm. Oh, nice. 10 foot reach. So, first of all, you've got anyone comes in your 10 foot reach, you have an attack on them. So, that's a good advantage. Um, the butt end can be used for in a second attack, depending if your class will allow. And here you go, Jim, it's like your non magic item. You also have a pole to poke with. So mm-hmm. there you go. It's a two in one. Yeah. I got Glath barbarian that that's his weapon of choice. So
0: they're, they're definitely great. understand.
1: Yeah. yeah. And if you get into it and take like pole arm master as, uh, uh you know, as a feat or whatever, like, forget it. You start, you, it's incredible. And that, that reach is what really does it because, You know, again, in original old D&D, it was very common. Dwarves always had pole arms, very common. And you've got that extra five foot reach. And again, I don't think it's used all that much. Um, But people who use it have a big advantage when they use it. So, yeah, here you go. Awesome. What do we got next?
0: Uh, Your favorite place to sleep in D&D. Okay, you're going
1: going first on this because I, I want to hear what you say. I'm kind of a little lost on this one.
0: Uh, I just gotta say like in a safe camp of a trusted NPC. Okay. I just love the campfire banter. Always feels good to have those like safe nights of rest in like such a whimsical fancy world when there's so many like supernatural dangers all over the place. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I get where you're going. Um, I, I feel that, and this would be my one complaint, probably about, uh, 5e is I feel they've made it even easier to travel great distances. Mm. So I actually nerfed it in my world. And if you're a druid and you take your, was it tree stride? Is that what the spell is called? We go through the trees. I made it, you can only go a certain distance. You can't just bamf to another tree on the other side of the world. Um, Travel to me is the best time for players to learn about each other, to uh, have things that happen along the way. And if you remove all of that and all of a sudden you're just like, boom, you're right where you need to be. I think you've lost a whole bunch of stuff. There's something magical about having characters sit around the campfire, having them talk to each other post watch, uh, there's just, it's a neat thing. So, you know, I agree with you. I think the best place to sleep is by the campfire in a bed roll, uh, having, you know, somebody out on watch taking turns, make sure it's safe, but mm. hearing those players sit and chat and learn about each other around the campfire. So I, I'm a fan of not having spells that removes that from the game. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if my players love or hate me for that, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's really important to have that. No, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Cause I know some people, they like love the taverns, you know, they always yeah. want to get up all the different ones and they're spending extra
1: money to stay at the fancier taverns. And- yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, yeah, I like yeah. it roughing it, roughing it out in the wild? I think is the best.
0: Yeah, totally. Awesome. Um, all right. What's your favorite D and
1: D trap? Um, Okay, that's interesting. I think for me, because there's so many, but my favorite thing is not so much the trap, but the element that makes the trap. So my favorite things are tripwires and pressure plates because those open the door to so many things. Like if you don't see the tripwire, an alarm is set off, you know, it shoots darts at you, kind of an Indiana Jones thing, or it creates a pit, the pit opens up below you. Like I love the idea of tripwires and pressure plates that are um it's very old school D and it just allows you to create anything you want from that so for me that's kind of more my direction
0: cool yeah what uh, you for, for
1: me are you familiar with uh, grimtooth's
0: traps no i'm not they're like encyclopedia they're huge oh, okay. books and they're okay. just full of traps i used to do trap tuesdays on instagram where i take a picture I- of each one and stuff I remember one in there and it still gives my players the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> um, so it's a rope over the pit trap. Yeah. Right? So you just, you have to swing over it, over the pit with the rope. Easy enough. The thing is that the pits, not actually the trap, the rope has barbs sticking up on it. Oh, no. So then when you grab it, it, cuts your hands and then you fall into the pit oh, trap. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> not nice. Yeah. it's uh, It's definitely one of their like weaker traps. Yeah. Because there's some pretty brutal ones in those books, but um it's just one that no one's gonna expect, right? They see the rope, they're just gonna run and jump and grab it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah I can see so. that. That's fun. <laughs> um, something we don't have on our list, and I thought maybe why don't we just kind of like freewheel a little? Um, what's your favorite environment to play in? Like, do you or DM and do you like like things from say desert, dungeon, forest, mountains? Like what kind of environments do you like to either build a uh, game in or playing. My favorite environment to uh, DM in is I'd have to say like towns.
0: Honestly, I love yeah. towns. Yep. Uh, um, but other than that, probably forest. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I love the like shopping and NPC yep. aspects of the game. That's always my favorite. So no, but,
1: totally. I get that. A huge part of our campaign right now is while well, they're stationed in a town and a lot of it goes from like being in town to town, but I agree with you. I really do enjoy like forest. I think there's so much in a forest that you can work with uh, and the forest could contain anything, you know, yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Mountain mountain stuff's fun though, as well. Uh, Mountain and into caves and that kind of thing. Um, Some great AD&D books out there too, like survival guide and wilderness guide, those kind of things. Uh, Again, doesn't matter if it's not the version you're playing. If you pick up an old D&D book from any version, you can learn stuff and apply it to what you're doing now. 100%.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, mountains is my favorite terrain in real life, so I live in them.
1: <laughs> but
0: it's always fun in D&D, you know, and then you can always throw that in or if you need to slow down your players, throw Desert in there. Quicksand, yeah. some
1: mirages, you know. Totally. Uh, Jim, is there anything we haven't really discussed about D&D favorites? I know we've got everything on your list. Is there anything that comes to mind? Uh,
0: favorite dice to use? Oh. That's not That's
1: not a D20. That's funny. For me, um, the two things are I have, I'm going to hold them up on screen so Jim can see them, but none of you can, uh, have a lot of my old original, uh, AD&D dice from my basic set from when I was a, you know, young, very young teenager in the eighties. I've had those dice kicking around for years and they're all battered and beat up. But, uh, my favorite dice probably is this silly thing. And I stole it from my sister when she was little and it was a cheap little jewel that hung off a necklace type of thing and I put with a uh, liquid paper a one and two on both sides so it's a two-sided die which I thought was kind of fun which is really just a coin but it can be a die yeah and
0: uh fun fact about that Sean picked my one of my recent yeah. tattoos with that dice we,
1: we did didn't we <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah poor Jim got a mermaid because uh, I, I rolled poorly
0: <laughs> yeah it's awesome
1: it's a cool tattoo though Hell yeah What about you? What's your favorite die? Uh, I got to go D4. Yeah.
0: They're just fun to roll. They look like little caltrops, you know.
1: There's a huge controversy about the D4s in my group, though, and it's uh, D4s are done differently. So there's either Mm -hmm. when you drop them, the number is at the top of the peak and you read it on all the sides at the top or it's at the bottom at the base. And there is really only one correct answer to what is a correct D20. And what is that, Jim? (laughs) It's at the top. No, it's not. It's at the bottom. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> not at all.
1: I knew you were gonna say that. I I actually break, throw away, crush, D twenty d4s that are numbers at the top. I just don't agree with them. <laughs> Freeze yeah. put them in the freezer, then smack them with a hammer. <laughs> they, they don't they don't exist in my world. <laughs> they are evil. Yeah. yeah, I they gotta be all on the bottom. Sorry. awesome
0: uh yeah email us at crystalball ball at 13 sided and let us know if you're uh on the top or on the bottom sort of D D player
1: <laughs> that is awesome uh cool i think that is probably everything for this topic it was a it was a good one thanks jim i really enjoyed yeah thanks
0: it. I, was, I liked hearing all your stuff
1: yeah i appreciate you putting the list together and like you said that was uh some people who had um asked for some things there's we've got a few listeners out there that have been very generous and given us some ideas for episodes and we hope to uh, do a number of them and yeah. uh yeah very excited about that if you guys want to stick around we're going to do a new segment coming up here right away and we're gonna build a character Woo, woo! see you there character building hey everybody uh we are here on a new segment we've not done this before but we're both pretty excited to try it out and make fools of ourselves uh, we are going to try and build a character, right, Jim? Build a character? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So um, I think what we decided was to do some random rolling on it. Uh, that way it'll be kind of fun to see where it takes us. And uh, so, yeah, so we're going to sit. And if you've not played D&D before, you'll kind of see some of the steps you go through to build up your character from the very beginning. So um, I think we're going to start with uh, race, right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you want to do the first roll? Um there are twelve races in uh 5e, unless you're starting to bring in outside the monster or sorry, outside the player's handbook. There's all other uh things. And we decide we're not gonna go for other races. We're just gonna kind of stick with the core. Uh, so it gives us twelve. So uh roll away, big guy. Twelve. Twelve. That would be our tiefling then. So we are mm, making a tiefling, which is exciting. And um, And now class, so class we said was d twelve d twelve as well. That would be a four. So uh, one, two, three. We're making a druid. Hmm. The plot thickens. Tiefling druid. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Okay. Anybody who's played before, obviously, they're. you start already going, ooh, tiefling, okay, druid, ooh, interesting. You, you already feel you got things start going in uh, your mind as to what that might be, which is kind of cool. Uh, okay, uh, sorry, Jim, I'm looking at something here. Background next, do you want to roll that? That is also a die 12, right? Yeah. 11. 11. Looking at the manual... Okay, backgrounds. 11, three, four, five, six, 7 sorry, I'm counting it through, eight, nine, 10, 11. Oh, that's really interesting, a sailor. Okay, so yeah, so for people out there who haven't played before, uh, you can choose um, from the book. You don't have to, but it's kind of fun to let them do. And you can choose a background. So in this case, it's a sailor. First thing we picked was uh, our tiefling. And so um tiefling, uh, let's see, as described by the book, as I flip through rapidly, tiefling. Tieflings are derived from human bloodlines and in... The broadest possible sense, they still look human. However, their infernal heritage has left a clear imprint on their appearance. Tieflings have large horns that take on a variety of shapes, have some curling horns like ram. Others have straight horns. Uh, They have thick tails four to five feet long, which lash or coil around their legs uh, when they get upset or nervous. Their canine teeth are sharply pointed. Their eyes are solid colors, black, red, white, silver, or gold. Uh, skin tones cover a full range of human coloration, but also include various shades of red, their hair cascading down from behind, their horns are usually black with, uh, sorry, usually dark from black or brown to dark red, blue, purple. So that gives you a bit of an idea of what a tiefling is. And we say... Yeah, go with uh, red, right? Yeah, oh yeah, Always. And then this becomes the fun of it because now you want to create that character in your mind what does that character look like what do you want to do and you have freedom to do stuff maybe that character has a scar maybe they have a weird thing uh you know something you, you can create a whole story around it um so a druid uh is a as described in the book um a priest of the old faith wielding the powers of nature moonlight and plant growth fire and lightning and adopting animal forms So uh, a lot of people like to play druids. Uh, Shapeshifting to animal form is probably one of the biggest things that people like the most about it. Uh, It's a spellcaster, so you have a whole range of spells. Uh, They are a healer, not as much of a cleric, but can be a healer. Do you like playing druids, Jim? Love druids. Yeah. You
0: You might hear about it on this episode.
1: (laughs) I don't think I have played a druid since probably sometime in the 80s like oh, I, I absolutely on, love druids yeah i've got players in my group here that i dm for they love druids as well i, I don't know I they're okay they just were never ad and d druids are pretty lame and i think in all honesty it's my opinion so i remember playing one just for some reason um and i think I, maybe i created a not a dislike but just i don't really like them that much and they're way more powerful now <laughs> i like think people say if you do it the right way they're probably the most powerful character yeah. you can play So I I probably should catch up and realize that they're good. (laughs) Um, Some other things about tieflings is they have a dark vision. Um, You are resistant to fire damage. You have hellish, hellish resistance. And, um, you know, the thaumaturgy cantrip because you're infernal legacy. Um, I am looking on D and D beyond. Uh, we're not sponsored. Not sponsored uh, by D and D Beyond. Yeah. If you are building a character, we're doing it by rolling and having fun. But you can do all this stuff on something like D and D Beyond. But it's a great place to look and check things out if you haven't um, haven't seen stuff. If you want to check certain things, so being uh, immune to fire, that'll be good for
0: a sailor that's always on a boat in the ocean. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, interesting. Um uh I, I again my mind is kind of spinning putting together that's interesting a druid tiefling sailor like that's a really strange combination but mm-hmm. you could do so many things from that and you can make it like again it's their background as a sailor so that's where they started as a sailor they don't, they don't have to be a sailor anymore maybe they are it's up to you but you can do some really cool stuff playing with that uh which is really fun uh okay a couple other things that we like to do um <laughs> And again, we could talk about a sailor. I think most people understand what sailors are. But what is really cool about the uh, player's handbook is um, there's a whole bunch of things you can roll in here for certain characteristics. Some people really have a good vision of what their character is. Other people don't and need a little bit of help. And then some people also, like myself, I like to be forced into certain things. I like fate to determine certain things about characters. So how about we give this poor person, and this is under our sailor background. I'm gonna roll a die eight, and I'm gonna see what their personality trait is like. Seven. Uh, So my language is as foul as um, any otiug nest. Uh, So this person has a foul foul voice uh, when they speak. That's awesome. So there you go. So they're a salty sailor. That's kind of fun. Uh, Can you give me a die six roll, Jim? Yeah. Two. Two. Uh, okay, so their ideals, fairness, we all do the work, so we all share in the rewards. So it's a bit of a, a lawful type thing. They believe that's a very pirate code, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, historically, uh, pirates were uh, better aboard a pirate ship than it was aboard a merchant ship or a uh, ship of the, of the Navy. They were far more fairer on a pirate ship than they were in the other. So, Um, okay, I'm going to do a die six roll. That's a one. So bond, I'm loyal to my captain first, everything else second. So this is a loyal person. That's cool. And the last one, and these to me are always the favorite ones, uh, are flaws. And I love giving flaws to my characters. (laughs) One of them, I just arbitrarily gave my character emphysema. And so every day I woke up, I had to roll a percentile dice and I made it a 30% chance that that day I'd have a, an emphysema attack. I would cough a lot and everything I did was at a mi- I was at um, either a minus two or a disadvantage. I can't remember. It was something stupid. My DMs going like, what's wrong with you? And, uh, but it's fun. I think it's really cool to add that into a character to give yourself flaws. Anyways, you can roll a die six. Jim, we'll see if this person has a flaw. Two. Two. Uh, I'll say anything to avoid having to do extra work, so they're loyal lazy. they're lazy. They're loyal to their captain. <laughs> they uh, are have a salty mouth, and uh, they agree in fairness, but they're kind of lazy. So there you go. And, and like I said, if if you are not, if you don't have a vision in your mind of what your character is, this can really help help you develop it and kind of go that way.
0: So what I'm thinking right now, they're lazy. They're a druid. They talk, they talk to the fish. That's why they're a sailor, and they get the fish to do a lot of their work for them. <laughs> fish, octopuses, you know. That's cool. I like octopi.
1: it. Octopi. Yep. Lots of arms do lots of work. Mm-hmm. We're going to roll up some stats. So um, very much, if anyone hasn't played before, very much like in a, say, uh, a video game, your character has different abilities uh, that they, you know, like maybe how strong they are. What's their, I mean, we call it in D&D dexterity, like how agile they are. And we're going to roll up uh, this person's stats. And then certain stats are better for different classes. So we're obviously going to take the best of these numbers and apply them to what's good for a druid. Uh, We'll do that in one second. But I do have something that I'm going to throw at you guys. It's a little crazy. Um, Sometimes when I, uh, in the past when I played uh, as a DM, I've had some players that were not familiar with the game and they weren't quite sure how to develop their characters. So I created these lists and this is a homebrew stuff. And I gave them a chance to roll on special abilities And to roll on special negatives. So um, I think we talked about this uh, in one of our previous uh, podcasts. But we're going to do it with this character. So Jim, if you can roll percentile dice. And we'll find out what special ability our druid friend has. 46. 46. So on my chart, 46 says, ooh, invisibility. Like the spell, but able to attack for one round. Because they're lazy. They like to turn lazy. invisible.
0: You do. <laughs> and they can wow. hide in plain uh, sight on the ship.
1: Totally. That is a really cool thing to get. That's pretty cool. Jim, you really wanted to get 45 because oh. it was the intelligence of Raceland. <laughs> there you oh, go. Wow. Uh, okay. So then, if you can roll another percentile, the way I have this set up is that you do get a bonus, a really cool bonus, but you also get a negative applied to that. So um, 44? 44. 44 um hapless healer you think you have a the natural power of healing sadly you don't but take heart there's a 40 percent chance of a placebo effect takes over and you're successful your amazing healing gives 1d4 hit points back because they're a druid i don't know if we would apply that that to me that just sounds so <laughs> counter it would be a very hard character to play so roll again and we'll choose a different one 28 28 that's a good number facial scar minus one charisma mod negative reaction from people so you um yeah you have a a scar on your face and it does give negatives to people interacting with you so you don't have to do this this is a little flourish a little flavor um i found it to be very interesting in our game and it it really helped people create some really interesting characters right out the gate because they got to, to go kind of to you know to figure out and
0: play with it so and they uh, got the scar because they were sitting invisible on the side of the ship and they got a hook to the eye <laughs> or to the face because they, no one could see them.
1: Uh, so you can see how Jim Jim goes. It's fantastic. Uh, okay. So before we do stats, one other thing we're going to do quickly and we're just going to roll a couple of rolls and it's in the handbook. And I love this table. It's the trinkets table. And they're just silly nothings, but it gives your... Uh, Again, it builds something to your character and to why they have that. So I'll make the one roll here and we'll let Jim make a roll in a second. So percentile roll, 41%. Let's see what 41 gives us. Uh, A scrap of cloth from an old banner. Mm. And what these are really, um, to me, is that if you've rolled these things, you have these strange items on you, it's like a hook for the DM to play with. So if at some point in the game, a DM might say, you know, you're looking at a, a big banner on the wall and, you know, it, it doesn't quite make sense. You can't quite figure it out. There's like, it's almost like there's a piece missing. And then maybe that character goes, wait a minute, I have a piece of a banner and they take it out and they put it on there and lo and behold, it is the actually missing piece and they can figure out what the banner says and they can proceed to the next thing or, you know, something like that. It can be these really cool things that you use a DM, you can work into the plot. So Okay, Jim. If you can make a roll, we'll roll on the other trinket table and see what else.
0: Yeah, and those are uh, story hooks you were talking about, not the hook that the teeth. Not took the hook the face. Yeah. No, not, not the scar yeah, hook. Yeah,
1: yeah you yeah. got it uh, right on. And what do I roll, sir? So like? Uh, percentile.
0: One hundred.
1: Okay,
0: we have to. Okay, zero zero zero.
1: Yes. Is that a hundred. That is a hundred. Yeah. Yes. Wow. There's
0: some arguments about that. So
1: I call that a hundred. Yeah. A metal urn containing the ashes of a hero. That's kind of cool. All right. So, you know, you see very quickly, guys, that, you know, in a couple of minutes here, we've thrown together. We have a tiefling and they are a what, Jim? Druid. Druid. They have a background as a sailor. They have salty language, they're loyal, they're lazy, they're fair. They have an amazing ability to turn invisible, which is a DM you'd want to-I don't have it written down there in that, but you don't want to cap how often they could use that. Maybe it's once a day or something. Like, yeah, we don't want to make it insane. Uh they have a scar on their face, and they have a scrap of cloth from an old banner, and they have the urn with the ashes of a hero. So boom, look at that. Like, right now. I'm hoping everybody listening is envisioning this character. And we've kind of described a little bit of tiefling got horns and usually long hair and a tail. And so you start putting all these pieces together and your mind starts forming a visual and also a a character visual. Like what do they, what are they like? What, you know, hopefully that salty language really resonates with people and you'd have fun (laughs) playing that. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, that, that first, to me, the big main part of grabbing who that, that character is. Uh, Should we roll up some numbers, Jim, for our stats? Yeah. So Jim and I talked about this in advance. There's lots of different ways of rolling up. Um, It's based on kind of 18, three sixes being kind of your, your, you know, your max idea. And um, the way that uh, I like to do it, and Jim uh, agrees, is to roll four six-sided dice. You pull the lowest one out, and then you total up the other three dice, and that becomes your amount. Uh, We're going to do that through each of the... um, stats that we have for a character and then once the um we've rolled all of them we will apply them to uh the different stats and i'll read them off to you guys so you know what they are there's strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom and charisma uh once we've done all those we will uh, apply them to the, the the areas that they're best to apply to and certain classes have better places like obviously if you're a fighter you want it to be towards strength a rogue or thief would want it to their dexterity so we're going to use the highest ones and apply it that way which why in this case we was nice to figure out that they are a druid so how we doing jim is that all making sense oh yes and then if you're hardcore you just go
0: straight down
1: yeah yeah you know and i've played with dms that are like you roll three six-sided dice and that is your number and that is your first stat and you just go yeah. and it's like oh that's
0: brutal <laughs>
1: brutal but then so, that's another fun way to make a character right Yeah, then you can see what their best stats are, then you can pick the class. Totally, it depends on how you want to do it. Do you want to really put it out to fate or are you trying to build towards something that you want to play? Um, And as a DM for me, I want my characters to have fun, so I don't want to pigeonhole them into something they didn't want to do, like, you know. So anyways, uh, it's whatever works best for you. So, okay, I'll do the first roll here. Pinky of the dice. Uh, Oh, there's some pretty good numbers there. That's a five, a six, a three, and a two. So I'll get rid of the two. So we have a 14. You're up, Jim. Ooh, 14. Oh, that's balls. It's all ones, four ones. (laughs) So it's a three. Wow. All right, you're up, buddy.
0: Uh, 16.
1: That's better than three. Uh, that's a bit better. That is a 16 as well.
0: <laughs> uh, a one, a one and a two. So
1: four. really wow. <laughs> and
0: then the other one was a one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're all over the place. All right. I think that is us, right? That's one, two, three, four, five, six rolls. Yeah. Okay. Um, So a druid, uh, if I remember correctly, wisdom would be the attribute you'd want the most in. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Again, not having played a druid in forever and a day. Let's have a look. There's people out there screaming at us right now. Of course it is, you idiots! Yeah, wisdom first, followed by constitution. Perfect. Uh, So we had 16 um and well th- so here's the thing there is also some usually racial adjustments depending on who you are right so a tiefling might have some adjustments to those stats Let me check that so different different um races have different things that are applied to them
0: tiefling gets intelligence score increases by one and charisma score increases by
1: two okay so intelligence plus one, charisma plus two. Now, the knowing that, you might not put your highest one into one of them because you can boost it with one of those or whatever. So neither of those are predominant for being a druid. So uh, I don't think we have to be too, too concerned. Uh, so obviously wisdom being our highest, we can take our 16 and put it there. And Jim, you'd said the other one for that was constitution for a druid. Was that right?
0: Uh, for the, yeah.
1: Yeah. So right. that's maybe our other 16. So now we have to make some decisions because we have a three and a four. So this becomes really fun. Again, do you make a character that it's their strength is three? Like they're super, super weak, but they have a pretty high wisdom. So maybe they're really good at casting spells and doing that stuff, but they are super weak. Or do you make it that their dexterity is really low? So they're, you know, they're really, they have no balance, no agility, you know, um, you can make it their intelligence is really low. So they have a high wisdom, but a low intelligence. And I think, uh, you know, for me, I've always described as intelligence is like your book smarts and your wisdom is like your street smarts. And it's kind of like the the two different things. So you can be very wise, but you don't have to be smart to be wise or vice versa. Um, what are you thinking, Jim? Do you have some preferences? I'm thinking they're definitely going to be
0: weak because they're lazy. Okay. Don't do much around the ship. So, you know, their the arms aren't very strong. Okay. So do you want to put and...
1: the three or the four there? Like really weak, like three, Put the lowest one there. Yeah. Okay. I like they're, it. They're
0: so weak that they turn invisible so they can just hide from work. So they don't embarrass themselves.
1: I like it. Okay. And then what is the next attribute you'd like to have as a lower one? So we have a four. Now we do have a plus two in charisma, so we could boost their charisma up to six by putting the four there, but I don't know if you want to make that again. Your charisma is your, it's not just your looks. But it's also like someone who's really engaging. So, you know, sometimes you go somewhere, you talk to somebody and they're like the life of the party and that's a high charisma. They just kind of draw you in. Um,
0: Thinking being a druid that talks to fish, we can probably put the charisma as the low one. Okay, perfect. So that's four,
1: but plus two equals six. Look at that math skills. And just swears at everyone else. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. That leaves us with two 14s. Um, we have dexterity and intelligence and intelligence gets a plus one. So they both are the same, except intelligence goes to 15. Okay. So our character that we've created is a strength of three. And on the base scale of D&D, 18 is kind of the, like the highest. You can go beyond that if you have certain things, but 18 is kind of classed as your highest. An average human, like a person who is and this is the thing that kills me. People have like characters with like 12s and they're like, my character is so low. And it's like, no, 12, you're actually falling, already going falling into heroic stance. Above average. Above average, 10. 10 is what a standard, what we would call a standard human in our world. Like I'm below 10 on just about everything because I'm old and decrepit. Um, 10 is the base level. And so anything above 10 is an advantage. So this person at three is a very low, they're very weak. They They are super weak in strength. Dexterity 14, so well above level constitution of 16 intelligence of 15 wisdom of 16 and a charisma of six so all of those things again from what we rolled previous like Jimmy said they're lazy so they use things to their advantage and they don't have a lot of strength which is probably why they're partially why they're lazy you can start working all of these things into kind of a story you're basically building a story about your character yeah. all right what do you think jim you got anything else you're thinking here uh we should probably
0: roll for what kind of weapon that they use that sounds cool.
1: Um, roll a D four. D four. Those of you who haven't played before, a D four is uh, it looks kind of like a three pointed pyramid. That was a very fun little dice. All right, and uh, that would be a two, my friend. So melee weapon. Yes. Now roll a D twelve, please. D twelve. That is a ten. Spear. Oh, cool. Story writes itself. Look at that, eh? Sailor, a spear, druid. I love it. That's perfect. Uh, They need a name. They need a name. And it gets really silent. Um, Two things. We can certainly do our own things, but I am going to do a not sponsored shout out. Uh, If I can pull it up here. I absolutely love, love, love this page. There's a person out there who created a name generator and it's called fantasynamegenerators.com. And if you're looking for anything, this is the place to go. Have you ever used this site, Jim? Oh yeah. Yeah, you're nodding your head. Jim's in the know. So you can go to fantasy or to go real names, like under real names there's everything from like I'm looking at 20th century English, Japanese names, Polish names, uh right through to Viking names. Like there's just like that page has probably like a hundred different kind of um races with all different names. But under fantasy and folklore, they probably have. Are they gonna they're gonna mess me up? I bet they're gonna mess me up. I bet they don't have tiefling. Nope. They have troll titan, no tiefling. Um you could go to kind of dragon names maybe. So it, once you do this, you can click between male, neutral, or female names. And then you get things like Grollrot the Calm, Rinu Lord of Ice. Um, Ken Kendanth, the Calm, neat names like that. So you can use a system like that to help generate names for you if you can't come up with something. Or you could call um, you know, Bob the Lazy. If you want to Bob the Lazy. <laughs> uh I like the idea right. of being a sailor. I think kind of like pirate names too, right? Which is kind of fun. So they've probably got a nickname. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. Their full name's Bobby. 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 Bob, and it's Bob the lazy. Yeah. You like that? Oh yeah. So, you know, and then it just goes from there. And I know Jim had mentioned this before. It depends really kind of where your talents lay. Maybe you want to go and draw your character. Maybe you're an artist and you want to go and draw what your character looks like. And that will really tie you to that character. Maybe you're more of a, a writer. So you'll write a whole really cool backstory and describe what the character looks like. There's so many things you can do. Maybe you're a mini painter and you go and find that tiefling character you want and you paint them, um, which you'll probably do anyway to use in the game. Uh, but that's what you're doing. You're trying to create this little person that exists in everyone's minds. And honestly, guys, put in some hooks, like put in some flaws, put in some things. That they're endearing. And you think about it, we all have flaws. We're, we're, we're humans, we have flaws. And a lot of times it's the flaws, and they don't have to be negative, but they're flaws that people remember about you. You know. Uh, and I think that's really fun. It's the same thing in a game. Put little things about your character that people will remember and have fun with it.
0: And uh, do your research, right? Like yep. you're a sailor. Go research sailor stuff. Totally. Totally. The, people
1: lose it at the table when you're using actual boat terms. Yes, 100%. 100%. Jim, that is lovely. It is so true. And just and write them down and have them available. It's like we talked about in the other episode about um, voices and about having accents. You know, in this case, make them a pirate. Talk about a pirate and then like Jim said, go through and find as many things from like shiver me timbers right through to, you know, uh, the poop deck and walk the plank <laughs> and anything you can think of and right side, port side, a vast G matey, right? Like just have all these stupid things written down and just throw them in when you're, when you're talking to people just for flavor and for fun. And what it does is it builds that character in everybody's minds. And if it does that for people, then it really brings it to the game. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about with the character, Jim?
0: Mm, I don't think so. I think that's all wrapped I think, up.
1: I think that's pretty cool. Like, I think we put together a pretty neat little character.
0: Yeah. If, uh, if anyone uses it as an NPC or as an actual uh, player, let us know. Email yeah. us at crystalball at 13sideddie.com.
1: That's awesome. Love it. All right. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Thanks. Next time on. 13 sided die so jim uh we uh talked a lot about homebrew in this episode and i know it was on uh our list and a few people had asked about it do you want to do uh next episode about homebrew talking all about it i would love to do an episode on homebrew I think it'd be fun. There's so many components to it so much. And I know some people are very intimidated about going down that road. So maybe we can help alleviate some of that and chat a little about that stuff. Does that sound cool?
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, I love homebrew. I find it's easier to run than the written modules, honestly. So
1: Yeah, yeah. People, and not getting into the episode ahead of time, but people tend to think that uh, modules are quick and easy and they actually, modules take a lot. If you do it well, you should, you have to read the whole thing through, know everything that's going on and understand it all. It's actually a lot of work. Uh, and sometimes homebrew can even be easier than that. So
0: Yeah, but we'll talk about that next time on 13-Sided
1: Die. So excited. See you guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventurer, to be sure. Remember
0: to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for
1: listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-Sided Die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-Sided Die has
0: been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin torture device by
1: Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.